0: So I want to talk about the, the, the uh, be careful what you pursue. One of the things that we, uh, in kind of looking at this clip and thinking a little bit about these, this unique character, obviously conflicted, um, maybe two sides of a, of a personality, um, an internal battle for what was right, what was wrong. This character was pursuing something with everything that he had. What he was pursuing was a ring. What was he pursuing was power. What he's pursuing was something that would, he thought, would benefit himself. But the thing that he pursued eventually destroyed him, ultimately virtually destroyed him. We have to be careful in life the kinds of things that we pursue. I was thinking about this in light of a couple of characters that Paul, the apostle, worked with. You know, Paul was, a, of course, a unique man of God, a little Jewish guy, a very short, ugly, hooked nose, anyway, we think, but, um, but he was passionate for the gospel of the kingdom of God. I mean, he gave everything to pursue the one who pursued him, which was Jesus. And uh, in the beginning of his ministry, he was totally focused on the mission. Uh, you may have met people like that in life that, you know, I mean, what they're after, the it's like the only thing they think about, it's the only thing they talk about, you know, like multi-level marketing folks, you know, that this is the product that will transform your life, which might be true if you get at the, you know, bottom rung or top of it somehow. But... But you know it's just Paul was that way. He was absolutely focused and passionate on the kingdom of God. Now why was that for Paul? Because as we know his story he was out pursuing trying to destroy the church. Just as passionate. Believing he was doing what was right. Doing what he felt God wanted him to do. But the Lord apprehended him on the road to Damascus. And and so when he was Miraculously saved and miraculously healed of blindness and filled with the Holy Spirit. It, you know, he was first spent some time in the, in, in the desert area receiving revelation from the Lord. But eventually was commissioned and started in Antioch and then went out on his missionary journeys. And in the beginning, he was so focused on that mission that people, I think, were secondary to that. But you know, by the end of his life, Paul had changed significantly. In that it's the people that he labored with that became most important to him. I mean, he was still very focused on the mission. We must take the gospel of the kingdom to every part of the Roman Empire. That is what our task is, to take this word to the whole world. But, at the same time, he realized he could not do that work all himself. He needed partners. He needed men and women who would come alongside of him to help him in the journey. And We need that as well in our life, don't we? We need to be connected to people that perhaps have gone a little bit farther than we have who can show us how to get to where we need to be by God's grace. Well, I was thinking about two characters that Paul worked with. One's named Epaphras. The other one is Demas. And so this comes from Philemon, the verses 23 and 24, and then Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. First one is Epaphras. He calls him my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. And uh, who greets you. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. Now the second person we're looking at is then a gentleman named Demas. And in chapter 4, verse 10 of the book of Colossians, we hear this very, very disturbing word about Demas. It says, For Demas, having loved the present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica and it continues from there. Two people that had initially committed their lives to the mission that Paul had committed his life to, which was to preach the gospel of the kingdom everywhere, planting churches all throughout the Roman Empire, raising up a community of faith who would give glory and honor to God. These two were not just any people. They were key characters, you know, in the the life of Paul. And these were key people who were theoretically at least thoroughly and completely committed to the mission of God. I've got this, this thing, a chicken and a hog. You know, it's an old kind of joke. A chicken and a hog were walking up by a church and they saw a sign that, you know, they wanted to do a special breakfast fundraising for the poor. And the, the chicken said to the hog, well, hey, why don't, we, why, why don't we make a special breakfast for them? And the hog said, well, that's easy for you to say. For you, it's just a contribution. For me, it's total commitment. You know, for a lot of people in their life, uh, you know, they, they're really committed to the Lord until it costs them something. But really, it costs Jesus. We know everything. It, Christianity is... It's costly, it's free, grace is free, but it's costly. In this uh, little clip we saw, Gollum is originally known as Smeagol, was all in. He was all in, totally committed, but really very much in the wrong direction. Well, I want to just look at these two characters, Epaphras and Demas, as they relate to Paul the Bible says that they were fellow workers. Now a fellow worker in that day and time didn't mean they just carried Paul's bags. It means that they would, they were a part of every prayer meeting. They were out front in preaching the gospel, in doing evangelistic work, in helping to establish churches, and then in teaching and training, in serving God's people in every way possible. When he says they were fellow workers, I mean literally they were in the fellowship together. You know that word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. It's a word that's much stronger than just kind of hanging out together. It meant we have committed ourselves to each other. I've got your back, you've got my back. We're really in this thing together. We are equal partners and we're willing to take equal risk to see the mission accomplished. They were fellow workers. We were in this fellowship of work together. It wasn't about, uh, you know, getting to the top of the pyramid so you can put your feet up on the desk and pontificate to everybody else what they need to do. No, we were in this work together. And ministry is work. I don't care what people say. You know, pastors don't just work on Sunday. Okay, some do. but, But they're not supposed to just work on just Sunday alone. You have you've got counseling, you've got administration, you've got all kinds of things you have to do. And certainly in Paul's day and time, they labored together to see a strong foundation established so that churches could thrive when they moved on to their next assignment. They were not just fellow workers, but they were also friends. You know, when you labor with someone for a period of time, you get to know them. You know the good, you know the bad, and you know the ugly. You know, if you really want to get to know someone, travel with them. I mean, you know, if you just do a meal together, you can be very polite and, you know, you just kind of come around and, you know, fellowship for a little bit. But if you travel together, you find out what someone is really, really like. How do they handle adversity? Are they whiners? Do they moan and groan and complain about every little thing that happens? Are they someone that can, when there's a problem, they just get right into the work and help? you get to know people. These guys were his friends. He could trust them and they could trust Paul. And that is such an important thing in life as to have trusting relationships. Well, Epaphras and Demas were both considered that to Paul. They were all in. But there was a significant difference between the two. Yes, they were fellow workers, but Epaphras went one step farther than Demas. The Bible says he was not just a fellow worker, but he was a fellow prisoner of Paul. He was the founder of a church in Colossae, that's no small assignment. He was the overseer of that entire work, so he was the leader of churches, congregations within a fairly large city. And as such, he had lots and lots of responsibility. But when he heard that Paul had been imprisoned in Rome, he left that responsibility because he sensed a greater responsibility to be with Paul and help him in his time of adversity. And the Bible indicates that he didn't just go visit Paul, but he actually moved in with him. He went to prison with Paul. And the prisons in those days were not the nice ones like we have today. You know, with air conditioning and cable television and all of that. You know, not necessarily the nicest roommates, but anyway. But it was literally a a hole in the ground with a metal grate over the top. That's where you ate, that's where you slept, that's where you had your bathroom break. It was all in the same hole. And Epaphras decided if Paul's going to prison, he is my mentor. He is my friend. He is my brother. He is my fellow worker. If he's going to jail, I'm going with him. Now, that's a level of commitment, isn't it? I don't know how many folks I know that if I, if I was in trouble like that, they're willing to go to jail with me. But that's certainly the way it was for Epaphras because he was so committed to the mission and so committed to Paul in his relationship, a relationship of strength and and accountability. He thus had a a total commitment to Paul and to that mission. We don't know what exactly happened with Demas, but we do know that apparently some cares of the world crept in. Maybe, Maybe it was just the very fact that Paul had gone to prison. It just frightened him he he couldn't see himself in that circumstance or situation but the bible says the cares of the world well, i don't know what it was exactly maybe it was finance maybe it was maybe it was comfort whatever it was he realized that i cannot continue on with the mission and the bible indicates that paul was extremely disac- disappointed because he left him in the lurch. Rather than being there in his time of need, he abandoned the mission. You know, Demas is not the only one that did that. There was another young man a few years before that had done the same thing. His name was John Mark. You may have heard of him in the Bible. John Mark was a cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas and, and Saul, and who later became Paul, took off on their first missionary venture. And while they were out on that missionary venture, again, there was adversity, problems that began to happen, persecution came, and John Mark decided, I can't hang with this. And he left them. Well, he eventually found his way back to Antioch while uh, Paul and Barnabas were there, and it was time for their second missionary venture. Well, Barnabas, you know, a son of consolation, son of encouragement, you know, Paul said, son of a gun, I'm not taking this kid with me. He abandoned us. He's not trustworthy. I'm not going to have him with him. So he took the prophet Silas with him and took off. And we read about Paul's mission from that point on. But Barnabas decided, I'm going to take John Mark because I think there's something still in this young man that's worth salvaging. Well, years later, you, you read that, that Paul says, make sure you, you that, remember John or Mark greets you as well. And, and if you were to read a little bit farther in that passage of Scripture, it talks about some scrolls or some parchments. And he said, make sure that you, you bring those scrolls or parchments. And most likely what Paul was talking about is the gospel of Mark. So Mark had been fully restored. He had come back into the fold. Though he had abandoned the mission as well, yet because he was willing to repent and come back, he was welcomed back into the work of God. There's no problem that any of us face, there's no circumstance that any of us go through that God cannot restore us. But we really do have a choice as we pursue this life, this life in the kingdom of God. You see, the right pursuit or the total commitment God is calling all of us to is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness knowing that all the things that we need, God will provide, that even if hard times come, and the longer you live in this life, you'll know that hard times come. Hello? You are going to have hard times. It's guaranteed. Nobody lives a perfectly charmed life. The question is, are you going to have people there with you when you get to those difficult times in your life? And friends that you have that hit hard times, are you gonna be there for them? Here in this passage, in this in seek first a kingdom, it doesn't mean that's the only thing you seek. You you know, you gotta pay your bills, you gotta do the things you need to do, you got relationships to take care of. But the first and foremost thing you need to be focused on is his kingdom. That we have a king. And we have ten minutes left according to the sign that just popped up in front of me. We have a king, and his his name is Jesus. And he deserves all of our loyalty. And really what he asks us to do then is to take up our cross and follow him. Now our cross speaks about our purpose. It's not the burdens that we carry. Oh, the cross that I bear. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. And nobody really cares. I mean, it's not your burdens. That's not your cross. It's not sickness. Jesus has bore our sickness for us. It's not a thankless job. It's not a rotten wife. Although that can be a burden. There's no question about it. But that's not the cross that you bear. It's not your rotten kids or the fact that you can't lose weight. Those aren't crosses to bear. The cross speaks about purpose. Jesus' purpose for coming to earth was to go to the cross on our behalf for the forgiveness of sins. And we've experienced that if we know Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, that is such a good thing to know that our sins are absolutely once and for all forgiven and we have been cleansed. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. That was his cross though an actual cross. Ours is to know your purpose. I mean, Epaphras was called. Demas was called. We've all been called. We're called, first of all, out of darkness into light. Light is better. We've been called into this wonderful new life in Christ. We've been called to be filled with His Spirit. He's placed within, in each of us gifts and abilities to, that He wants us to fulfill in life. He's called us into a community of faith, the local church. We've all been called. Epaphras was called, Demas was called, the question then comes to all of us, what are we going to do with that calling? How, what level of commitment are we willing to make in order to see the kingdom of God fully established in Medford and beyond? Well, Epaphras was one that said even if Medford in, gets burnt up all by its, and it, you know, it is burning a little bit, but you know, as by way of illustration, we're still here. We're not quitting. We're just too dumb to quit. Epaphras was one, he was just too dumb to quit. Paul, you're going to prison, I'm with you. Because I know that you carry the words of life just as Jesus carried the words of life. I am not going to go back on what I've been called to be and to do because God has graced me, God has graced you, and there's a mission we have to accomplish or well, i guess we can be like demas and maybe in reality all of us got a little bit of a path for us and a little bit of demas in us but really it comes down to making a choice making a decision are we ready are we willing to properly pursue a total commitment a life that's full of purpose focused on the love of god On his grace and kindness, mercy. So our response to all this is I guess we can be an Epaphras or a Demas, a Gollum, or a... How do you pronounce that? (laughs) Schmeagle. Schmeagle. What a terrible name. We can make a contribution or we can lay it all down. Stephen was one. I was thinking of him his life, he laid it all down. He was a great orator, much better preacher than Paul. When he was confronted by the religious leaders, and then they began the process of stoning him to death, he looked into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And now we know scripture says that Jesus is seated at the right hand. But Jesus stood for Stephen. I believe he stands for those that stand for him. Jesus will stand for those who stand for him. And I want to be one of those counted worthy for him to stand for me. Blessings. Thank you.
1: Got it. All right. That's, uh, that's my major, major test. Let's all stand up. Wow. Excellent. Let's say goodbye to Dr. Stan. He's got to get in his car and go. <laughs> he, uh, he has got to be on a plane in Portland at 6. And so he might be like Jehu driving his chariot furiously to perform the word of the Lord. And uh, so anyway, what a, what a beautiful word. Wow. Week after week, we give an opportunity for people to, to join God. Today's study and today's lesson was a look at that battle between, in the, the Lord of the Rings, it was between the personality. The same guy was both Gollum and was Schm- Schmiegel. And I believe Schmiegel was the, was, the, was the first one, right? And Gollum was the baddie. Okay. And uh, I think humans are pretty much like that. Same person can have goodness and badness all locked up. And so when we preach the gospel of Jesus, that whole training of getting rid of the bad part, clinging to the good, doesn't even really begin until we make peace with God. A lot of people in the world say, "Hey, I've tried to change. I've tried to turn over a new leaf, and I've been clean and sober, you know, eight times." One guy said, "Quitting smoking's easy. I've done it about a hundred times." But staying free, we we need to be a new person, not just try to have a complete makeover, but become a complete new person. And that's what it takes to be able to win this battle of good versus evil. The Bible teaches us that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's expectation or of his glory. Every human has sinned. You can't pay it forward, you can't pay it back. You can't say, I hope that what I've done good will outweigh what I've done bad. No, 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 the Bible tells us that with one sin, we forever violated our ability for self-help we need a savior we need someone to take away our sin and that's what jesus did he was the one who completely laid down his life that we can have everlasting life so week after week people come in here and they have many people have that question what do i need to do to, to Get this thing together. What do I need to do to be right with God? Well, the good news is is you have the easy part. The heavy lifting was done by, done by God himself. God created us. God sent his only son, his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We are perishing until we receive the provision. And the provision is received by calling on, on the name of the Lord in faith. Jesus, save me. Father, save me. No matter how deep you are in sin, how many times you failed, do not let Satan steal everlasting life from you from trying to make you feel that you've got to pay it back. You cannot pay it back. You must by faith receive God's provision, his payment, he paid it in full. The payment is made in full, but you receive it by faith. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to give anyone and all the people that came in here looking for a new life. If you want a new life in Jesus, please don't leave here without the product that you're here for. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I want you to pray for me. I want to receive Jesus today. I want God to take away my sins. I want to be a brand new person, changed on the inside. If that's you and you're here and say, hey, I want to put my faith in Jesus today, just raise your hand and leave it up so I can get kind of an idea. How many are here and you want a new start? What you're saying is, I, I, I can't trust anything, not even myself. I trust in Jesus to take away my sin. Raise your hand very quickly if that's you. If that's you saying, hey, I want to do the God thing, but I've got to do it his way. And that isn't cleaning myself up. It's being born again, born of God. Last call, if you're here and you have not received Jesus, we want to welcome you for a new birthday. To get born of God today by faith. Okay, go ahead and lift up your head. The next thing we're going to do is you and I have got to embrace that this depiction of good guy, bad guy is a reality even as a believer. A lot of people believe that humans are kind of like Frankenstein when he created his monster. That bad circumstances make people go bad. But Victor Frankel, a a psychologist who spent time in the concentration camps, he, he began to realize that even in the concentration camp where the most evil was being done to people, the good people still persisted in doing good and the other people did what they were inclined to do anyway. You are not what you're being forced to be. You are what you choose to be, what you give energy to. So Paul in, in uh, Romans chapter seven he talks about this struggle. He said, With my mind I serve the law of God. But in my flesh I serve the law of sin and death. And his and he goes on to say, Who's going to deliver me from this death? And the question and, and it's it's resolved in that through walking in the spirit, we get the answer in chapter eight. Through walking in the Spirit and being a partaker of the sufferings of Christ, I can overcome this struggle of the flesh. So today we're, we're, we're teaching on the fact that, that we can be an Epaphras or we can be a Demas. We, we can be one that said, I choose life, or one that says later days. I, the people that trouble me the most are not the open rejectors; It's the later people. Later, I've got a lot of time. When I get old, I'm going to become a Christian. Let me just say this. Today is the day of salvation. If I walk out and I I just disregard the conviction of God, there's no guarantee that God has to come and revisit me and chase me down. Because every person deserves to hear the gospel. The same thing that as I walk with God, I don't take my, my relationship with God for granted. Oh, he's gotta do me good because I'm a pastor. No, he doesn't. Every day I need to just say, Lord, help me to be an Epaphras and not a not a Demas. Help me not to take the buyout. Even as a, as an older guy now, I don't want to take the buyout. I want to die in the faith. Amen. How many of you say, I want to die in the faith? I want to so let's get get those Epaphras hands up, could we? We're gonna pray and believe that that, that we are gonna be faithful. And we are, gonna, we are going to, to you know, walk in the spirit of Epaphras. And we're going to overcome the flesh. And, and, and we're going to be willing to go to prison with Paul because we're so committed to the call of God. Just pray this with me. Dear Father, hear my prayer this day. Lord, I acknowledge that there is a war between the flesh and the spirit. Help me, Lord to walk every day with you, to understand that even being born again, the offer of the flesh will still visit me. I must daily take up my cross, walking in the Spirit, obeying what you've asked me to do. I love you, Father. I need you. And I appreciate the work of the Holy Spirit help me Holy Spirit to have a tender conscience to tremble at the word of God to have a godly fear so that Lord I can be another Epaphras forgive me for the times that I've been a Demas for the times that I've quit prematurely and walked away from your purpose no more By your Spirit, I will overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.